You're listening to Sobriety with Ari Eastman. Hey, that's me. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Sobriety with me, Ari Eastman. How is it going? That would be, what would my, what would my like, like late night radio DJ, like I'd be like, welcome, you're listening to Sobriety with Ari Eastman on 97.7 late night with recovery hour, baby. We don't drink anymore, but we still know how to tap into our sensual pleasures. Stay tuned for the next hour while we, while we tickle your eardrums with the beautiful sounds of healing. (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to workshop it, okay? I also feel like I just want to acknowledge, even though I feel like half the time when we point things out, people didn't even notice in the first place, and then they notice because you pointed it out, but whatever, I'm going to do it. I, um... TMI struggle with acid reflux or I did a lot as a teenager and it's been coming back a little bit recently I probably have to look at my diet again and I don't know whatever boring stuff so I have been I feel like noticing it and uh, I'm someone who gets very easily grossed out by sounds and people talking about stuff like this so I'm not going to go into the details but just know that I am aware that I feel like I've been a little bit I don't know Oh, phlegmy. I hate that word. But, uh, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. So I apologize, but I can't help what my body decides to do. We're all just roaming around in these meat sacks, and sometimes they act up, you know? What can you do? I don't know. Well, what I can do is cut dairy out of my diet, um, eat more salads, go back to my gluten-free diet that I did for seven years. So I'm lying. There are things I could do. But moving right along, today I wanted to discuss something uh, with all of you that definitely affected my life. I think it's affected a lot of people. And it's this uh, sort of idea of gray area drinking. Maybe you're not at a rock bottom. Maybe you don't even qualify for alcohol use disorder. But... There's still behaviors within your drinking. There's still things that are happening that are not necessarily healthy or good for you. It's, it's the definition of gray area. It's not an extreme one way or the other. But just because something is an extreme doesn't mean it isn't worth examining. Pretty unsurprising to most of us, alcohol sales increased a lot. Um, in 2020, you know, when COVID came on the scene, when good old COVID showed up, sales increased by 54% in March in 2020. And then online alcohol sales were up by 477% towards the end of April. Those are insane numbers from from March even to April. Once it moved, once we really kind of set into lockdown and I think the reality and the gravity of COVID-19 and this pandemic and that things were going to be different, that we our lives were going to be changed by what was happening. It wasn't just going to be a couple days or a week. We were going to have repercussions and we were going to feel this both, you know, economically, mentally, And then, of course, the loss of life like this was going to be a serious thing. So it's sad, but not surprising that 
in correlation with that, we saw alcohol number, alcohol sales just totally skyrocket. Gray area drinking is not the DUIs. It's not the losing your job because you showed up drunk, the your family left you, drinking when you wake up first thing in the morning. Gray area drinking is a lot more nuanced. And because of that, it's harder to identify and it's harder to talk about. And it's harder to even sometimes explain to other people. As we saw with the increase in alcohol sales with the pandemic, you know, emotional drinking, leaning on something, using alcohol as a crutch, that went up enormously, as it does when we experience traumatic events. We're not equipped or really set up, at least in American society, to have the tools in place. You know, we don't have universal health care. Not everybody can afford to get mental health support. It's not, and even if you can afford it, it's not always just so easy. It's very complicated. So people turn to things that numb out the pain or they think make them feel better or stop worrying or, you know, whatever. And all these things that we know are actually like not true, that there is this cognitive dissonance because you're like, oh, I want to drink to relax, even though actually chemically that drink is going to like give you more anxiety the next day. But what's available? What's around? What can you find? <laughs> like any store, pretty, not any store. <laughs> you can't go into like, I don't know. What's a store where you can't buy alcohol? I mean, plenty of stores. <laughs> I don't know why I was like, you can go into any single store and demand that they hand you liquor. But you know what I mean? You can go to any grocery store. You can go to liquor stores that are open until like two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning. Like you, there's no shortage of being able to find and purchase alcohol. So you have something like the pandemic where people are, on lockdown, they're anxious, they're scared, they're experiencing something completely brand new that's very traumatic. And of course, people are turning to alcohol. And so there are, I'm sure, I don't have the statistics of the exact number of people, but I, I'm sure there are so many people who started to fall into the gray area drinking where they are not, they don't necessarily have alcohol use disorder, but this. They're emotionally drinking and anybody can, anybody can fall into this. Anybody can develop a habit. Anybody can lean on something and like I said, it becomes a crutch. That's not just for the like, you know, diagnosed alcoholics out there. That can happen to and for anybody. Like I said earlier, something doesn't have to be tearing apart your life violently in a way that everybody can see for it to be still harmful. If you have a hunch, if you've got that little small lump in your throat the next morning after drinking that maybe, just maybe, this thing isn't really working for you anymore, that's enough. Things come into our life and they don't serve us anymore. And it's scary when we verbalize that and recognize that because change, changing what we are used to, what is, uh, again, I'm using air quotes, normal, that's very scary. And the thing with gray area drinking too is that it's harder to explain to people because there is such a normalization of gray area drinking. It's, you know, you went out with your friends and you told yourself, you know, no one else, but you told yourself, all right, I'm only gonna have like three drinks. That's my max. And then you end up having, you know, double, triple that, I don't know, triple, but way more than you an anticipated you were going to have. 
And then the hangover is really bad. And the next morning you're like, why? Why do I do this? Like, why? Why, why can't I just like drink what I say I'm going to drink? That's 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 that could be problem drinking. Now, that's on you and that's up to you. And that's only something that you can like really feel within yourself. But, you know, we we have to look at these things. But because but that's like so, quote unquote, I keep saying, quote unquote, that's like my new it's like my new buzzword, quote unquote. But that's what we do when we're young and we're out. It's like, oh, we just, oh my God, LOL. I'm a mess. Oh my God, I'm so, I'm so hungover. Uh, FML, uh, uh, you know, tongue sticking out. Uh. Um, so it's hard. It's hard when we are being given these messages that it's like, oh no, you're fine. You're totally fine. But you don't actually feel fine. When you are really alone with your thoughts, you don't feel good. This whole life is short, so like, fuck it up. F- you know, like, YOLO. Yeah, life is short and you do only live once. So you deserve to live a life where you feel as good as you can. And I don't I don't say like, you know, wake up every day and be happy or whatever. You feel amazing because that's just not how life works. And that's not how some of us are even designed to work. But, you know, alcohol is like a harmful substance. And there are plenty of people who can moderate and they can drink and they can have fun. But if it's hurting you, then then no, it's not. It's not like, oh, loosen up, have fun. It's hurting you. It's hurting you. And you deserve to not be hurt. Some other sort of, uh, you know, symptoms or signs of gray area drinking are are the preoccupation with it, of thinking about it. You know, it's back when I used to be Googling things. You're Googling, do I drink too much? Like, what? How, how much is it normal to drink? And like drinking too much alcohol symptoms and like Googling, what happens if you drink alcohol every day? It's sort of questioning. It's It's thinking... Okay, well, I, I'm not seeing myself portrayed like it's a huge issue because nothing in my life is falling apart and I'm, I'm, and I'm fine. But there's that nagging voice. There's that something in my brain that's having me Google, like, how much is it too much to drink? Another common thing that people sometimes do when they fall into this gray area drinking is they do other healthy activities to sort of overcompensate. You know, they can't. They, they have some trouble moderating their drinking. They're drinking too much, but, you know, they exercise a lot. You know, they're going on hikes. They're going on this. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're eating well. They're doing all of these other things because it's like, oh, well, you know, oh, I drank way too much on Saturday. I'm so embarrassed, but I'm going to go to my yoga class and sweat it out. And not that you can't have. Here's the thing about just in general in life. We are all doing unhealthy things all the time. And. There is no perfect life of like every single thing I do is so amazing for my body and so amazing for my mind. We are all unhealthy, healthy. We're, we're, we're all living in gray areas as we should, right? You can't be, you can't, you can't be perfect. You know, there's, there, it just doesn't exist and it would drive you crazy trying to achieve it. Plus what's healthy for one person might not be what's healthy for another person. You know, we're all different. But if the sort of goal of doing the healthy activities is because it's stemming from a guilt from drinking and it's trying to cancel that out. It's like, mm, that is something to explore. So let's say you decide, yeah, I need to explore this because uh, this is sounding like me and maybe I am a gray area drinker. Here are some steps. And again, I'm not a professional. So honestly, don't listen to me. Turn the podcast off. Just kidding. Don't go anywhere. I love you and I need you here. Um, listen, I love journals. I'm always going to suggest a journal, but if you're not a journal person, that's fine. You could just jot this down in your phone uh, or even just like think about it. Take time to think about it. But when you get that impulse and that and that thought of 
you know, oh, I want to I have a drink right now. See where it's coming from. Try to assess the feeling. What is the emotion? Are you bored? Are you lonely? Are you uh, overstimulated and you're looking for something to relax? Are you socially anxious? Like what is sort of the dominant emotion that you are feeling? And just assess it and kind of keep track of it. When you can pinpoint that emotion or that feeling, then it's going to be easier to find activities to replace drinking. Oh, if this is a loneliness thing, maybe make plans with someone. Call up a friend. If this is coming out of boredom, maybe explore new hobbies. Try something new, a craft, a a language, an online class. Like, you know, find a new thing to do to occupy your time. Another suggestion is to wait 15 to 20 minutes, maybe even 30 minutes when you get that drink urge. Just wait it out. Put on a TV show, go for a walk, listen to some music, wait it out. It's a it's a craving. And just I'm not even not even saying you can't necessarily like have that, you know, drink after 30 minutes. Only you can really know if that's only you can make that decision. But give it a minute. Give it a second. Um, I'm trying to employ this lately with sweets because that has become um, uh, something I struggle with right now. After I quit drinking, I started to eat a lot of sugar, which is very common because we just have like sugar cravings. So that's a new thing I'm trying to employ is like, oh, I immediately want frozen yogurt. I need to wait. And then you know what? If in an hour I still want it, then maybe I'll go get it. But I'm going to at least give myself that hour to see if it's going to pass. Another suggestion is that you don't have to, as I say time and time again, you do not have to classify or label yourself as anything. I know like the gray area drinking, I'm even like, oh, well, you're a gray area drinker. But even that is like a very murky label. So you you don't have to fit into anything or have a specific label to to decide you need a little bit of extra help. And whether that's in a support group, whether that's through some online thing, there's outpatient uh, treatments. And I, I, I just think that we're so, sometimes we almost put these parameters on how sick we have to be to get help. And I hate that because I really think it's like gatekeeping. It's like gatekeeping recovery. And all you need to, to have is to have that inner voice that's saying like, I don't want to do this anymore and I need a little bit of help. That's all you need. I definitely was a gray area drinker for a while before it sort of, you know, kind of started teetering into more almost like alcohol use disorder. And, and I, I still, I still don't know what to call myself. I call myself like so many different things problem drinker alcoholic recovering you know I say so many things about myself and I wish I had paid a little bit more attention to some of the signs of my gray area drinking because they were there and there was a lot of uh, kind of slowly that happened that got worse and worse over time and unfortunately too like I said like our society like encourages gray area drinking in many ways and suddenly when you can't manage it anymore, then it's your problem and it's your fault and like you're the fuck up. And I hate that. And I really hope that we eventually kind of move away from that as a society and we as a society, as a society and we 
I don't know, we just like talk more about alcohol in an honest way of like what it does to us and our brains and, um, you know, uh, duh, that's why I'm doing this podcast. But anyway, uh, well, you know what it's time for? It's something that made me happy this week. It's my pink cloud of sobriety. So over the weekend, my roommate and I went to a break room which is as simple as it sounds, it is a room filled with like glass and ceramics and stuff. And you go in with like hazmat suits and then there's bats and sledgehammers and stuff. And you can just blast music and then you just get to break shit for like 20 minutes. And it was very fun. Uh, like I, you, I'm not really someone that like holds a lot of like anger or rage as a kid. Oh my God. As a kid, I had like serious anger management problems. Like my poor parents, I had anxiety and anger management problems. I was like always getting in fights on the playground. Like when I was four, I was like punching kids. Like that's horrible. Like that's not like I'm not, (laughs) it's not a good thing. But then I really grew out of it and I became uh, much more uh, confront, like confrontation adverse and very much more passive and just really I really don't like rage I really don't like anger I'm very uncomfortable when people get like road rage I'm just like I get passionate about things but it's like very rare for me to get like angry angry aside from maybe like political stuff will get me riled up but I just don't hold a lot of like rage or like grudges really and so I was almost like oh how am I gonna feel like going am I gonna like am I gonna really enjoy like smashing things you know because I'm just like not really that person uh, let me tell you you get a you get a Louisville slugger in both hands or whatever what is this Louisville slugger and then uh you smash a, a plate a cup and all of a sudden you're like whoa that felt good that felt good and I just thought I, I at one point I was just like you know hitting things with the baseball bat and I just like thought about like I don't know just society's expectations for me and my expectations for myself and like my journey with alcohol and just all of these things and it's just like it was very therapeutic it was like screaming into a pillow yeah it was a new experience um I'm very sore like picking up a sledgehammer is hard and it's heavy (laughs) and my arms hurt my little noodle arms but um it was fun it was a good experience well everyone thank you so much for tuning in to another episode and We're going to have a special one released on Thursday, so stay tuned. Okay, bye everyone.